There's a lovely moment in this week's parasha that shows Moses at the height of his generosity as a leader. It comes after one of his deepest moments of despair. The people are complaining about the food again. They're tired of the manna. They want meat instead. And Moses, appalled that they haven't yet learned to accept the hardships of freedom, prays to die. He says to God, if this is how you are going to treat me, then go ahead and kill me right now if I've found favor in your eyes and don't let me face my own ruin. God tells him to appoint 70 elders to help him with the burdens of leadership. He does so, and the divine spirit rests on them. But it also rests on two other men, Eldad and Medad, who weren't among the chosen 70. Evidently, Moses had selected six men out of each tri of the 12 tribes, making 72, and then removed Eldad and Medad by lot. Nevertheless, they too were caught up in the moment of inspiration, and Joshua, Moses' deputy, saw this as a potential threat. Moses replied with splendid magnanimity, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Now this contrasts sharply with his conduct later, when his leadership was challenged by Kerach and his followers. On that occasion, he showed no gentleness or generosity. To the contrary, in effect, he prayed that the ground would swallow them up and they would go down alive to the grave. He is sharp, decisive, and unforgiving. So what's the difference between Kerach on the one hand and Eldad and Medad on the other? To understand it, it's essential to grasp the difference between two concepts often confused, namely power and influence. We tend to think of them as similar, if not identical. People of power have influence. People of influence have power. But it isn't so. The two are quite distinct, and they operate by a different logic. And we can see this by a simple thought experiment. Imagine you have total power. Whatever you say goes. Then one day you decide to share your power with nine others. You now have at best one-tenth of the power you had before. Now imagine that you have a certain measure of influence. Then you decide to share that influence with nine others whom you make your partners. You now have ten times the influence you had before, because instead of just you, there are now ten people delivering the same message. Power works by division, influence by multiplication. Power is, in other words, a zero-sum game. The more you share, the less you have. Influence is a non-zero game. The more you share, the more you have. Throughout his 40 years as head of the nation, Moses held two different leadership roles. He was a prophet, teaching Torah to the Israelites and communicating with God. He was also the functional equivalent of a king, leading the people on their journeys, directing their destiny, and supplying them with their needs. The one leadership role he didn't have was that of high priest, which went to his brother Aaron. We can see this duality later in the narrative when he inducts Joshua as his successor. God commands him, take Joshua bin Nun, a man of spirit, and lay your hand on him, v'samachta et yadacha alav, and give him some of your honor, t'numehodacha alav, so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. Note the two different acts. One, lay your hand, v'samachta, on him, is the origin of the word smicha whereby a rabbi ordains a pupil, granting him the authority to make rulings in his own right. The rabbi saw their role as a continuation of that of the prophets, 
Moses received the Torah from Sinai and gave it to Joshua, Joshua to the elders, the elders to the prophets, and the prophets to the men of the great assembly. By this act of smicha, Moses was handing on to Joshua his role as a prophet. But the other act, Tenu Mehodecha Alav, give him some of your honor, that was inducting him into the role of king. The Hebrew word hod, honor, is associated with kingship, as in the biblical phrase hod malchut, the honor of kingship. It means majesty, basically. Kings had power, including that of life and death. Prophets had no power at all, but they had influence, not just during their lifetime, but in many cases to this day. To paraphrase Kierkegaard, when a king dies, his power ends. When a prophet dies, his influence begins. Now we see exactly why Moses' reaction was so different in the case of Eldad and Medad and that of Korach and his followers. Eldad and Medad sought and received no power. They merely received the same influence, the divine spirit that emanated from Moses. They became prophets. That's why Moses said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Prophecy isn't a zero-sum game. When it comes to leadership, his influence, the more we share, the more we have. Korach, or at least some of his followers, sought power, and power is a zero-sum game. When it comes to Malchut, the leadership of power, the rule is there is one leader for a generation, not two. In kingship, a bid for power is in fact an attempted coup d'etat, and it has to be resisted by force. Otherwise, the result is a division of the nation in two, as happened after the death of King Solomon. Moses couldn't let the challenge of Korach go unchallenged without fatefully compromising his own authority. So Judaism clearly demarcates between leadership as influence and leadership by, as power. It's unqualified in its endorsement of the first and deeply ambivalent about the second. Tanakh is actually a sustained polemic against the use of power. All power, according to the Torah, rightly belongs to God. The Torah recognizes the need in an imperfect world for the use of coercive force in maintaining the rule of law and the defense of the realm, hence the mitzvah to appoint a king, should the people so desire it. But this is clearly a concession, not an ideal. The real leadership embraced by Tanakh and by the rabbis is that of influence, above all the leadership by prophets and by teachers. That is the ultimate accolade given to Moses by tradition. We know him as Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher. And Moses was the first in a long line of figures in Jewish history, among them Ezra, Hillel, Rabban Yochanan ben Zagai, Rabbi Akiva, the sages of the Talmud, and the scholars of the Middle Ages, who represent one of Judaism's most revolutionary ideas, the teacher as hero. Judaism was the first and greatest civilization to predicate its very survival on education, houses of study, and learning as a religious experience higher even than prayer. The reason is this. Leaders are people able to mobilize others to act in certain ways. If they achieve this only because they hold power over them, this means treating people as a means, not as ends, as things, not as people, not as persons. Not accidentally, the single greatest writer on leadership as power was Machiavelli. The other way to achieve it is to speak to people's needs and aspirations and teach them how to achieve these things together as a group. 
That is done through the power of a vision, the force of personality, the ability to articulate shared ideals in a language that people can identify with, and the capacity to raise up many disciples who will continue the work into the future. Power diminishes those on whom it is exercised, influence and education lift and enlarge them. Judaism is a sustained protest against what Hobbes called a perpetual and restless desire of power after power that ceaseth only in death. That may be the reason why Jews have seldom exercised power for prolonged periods of time, but may they have had an influence on the world out of all proportion to their numbers. Not all of us have power, but all of us have influence. That is why we can each be leaders. The most important forms of leadership come not with position, title, or robes of office, not with prestige and power, but with the willingness to work with others to achieve what we cannot do alone, to speak, to listen, to teach, to learn, to treat other people's views with respect, even if they disagree with us, to explain patiently and cogently why we believe what we believe and do what we do, to encourage others, praise their best endeavours, and challenge them to do better still. Always choose influence rather than power. It helps change people into people who can change the world.